Hello and welcome back to the Lorgwaves. I'm one of your hosts, Michelle. I'm Justin. And I'm A.E. And we are here with the sixth episode of Dominaria, also known as Return of the Teferi. We're not using copyrighted music at all right now. Meow, 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 meow. Meow, 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 Just going to throw that in there for no reason at all. I don't know where that came from. Walker has left, so it's a little bit out of character. Is a little out of character, yeah. Johnny has just like just bounced out, but he just popped it. back in for that cameo and then left again. That is how cats are. They're just like, oh, I want to be let back in. No, I want to go out. No, I want to go back Make in. Make up your mind, to Johnny. <laughs> Fluff of my belly. My belly is so soft and covered in abs. <laughs> I'm That's abs enough. Johnny. That's enough mm. petting my belly. That's enough petting my belly. I will Meow. scratch you and bite your hand. And now I'm going to go to Dominaria. No, I'm not. I'm back. Bye. No. Oh, I want more belly rubs, please. Uh, Johnny is is a very awkward planeswalker to have as a friend. <laughs> but cats <laughs> are strange. Are they gonna have a fluffy belly and not want you to pet them? I think having a fluffy belly and abs must be just awkward in general. Maybe that would be damn near irresistible. Okay, going on. <laughs> uh, episode six: Return of the Teferi. The near immortal former planeswalker Teferi and his kick-ass mathematician daughter Niambi trek through the sands in the hot sun toward an ancient ruin near the trade routes of Femoreth. Daughter, are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? Father, you're umpteen years old. I should have hoped you would have outgrown these antics after your first millennium or so. You don't get to be as old as I am by taking life seriously. You're 50 now, Niambi, and I worry if you don't start acting more immature, it'll be the death of you. As Teferi and Niambi, amateur of the Temple of Doom... I mean, the monument that Urzer created a long-ass time ago. They come across a plethora of dangers and puzzles that try to kill them at every turn. From death eyes to poison needles, from electrocuted whoopee cushions to rolling fruitcake traps, they maneuver through the Legend of Zelda dungeon obstacles until they hit a puzzle that involves tapping blocks in a mathematical sequence. Nyambi is certain she knows the answer. The right answer doesn't work. Upon exiting the monument, Nyambi says, Sorry I wasted your time, Father. Huh, I'm just happy my daughter shares my hobby of Indiana Jonesing. Why would Urza make it so hard for you? I thought you were his friend. My dear daughter, it's because Urza is a complete asshole. A butt face who wouldn't understand friendship if it picked up a pan and smacked them in the face with it. So you weren't friends. At this point, the weatherlight appears and its crew comes down to greet Teferi and his daughter. Liliana says, What were you doing in that ancient ruin? Teferi says, it's not that ancient. Goira makes the necessary introductions. Teferi, my crew. Crew, Teferi. Joira, that's generous, but I don't need a personal crew. We have a demon to kill. Teferi, you in or do you have a new flatulator you're wasting time on? Whoa, Joira, I think we should talk. By Urza's apocalyptic ego. Do they call you a time adept because you're adept at wasting people's time? Come on, Niambi, let's math the shit out of this. Niambi and Joyra geek out over multivariable calculus and linear algebra crossed with game theory and other things I failed in college. Then back into the dungeon they all go. As the group finally makes it to the Pac-Man block puzzle level, Joyra asks Liliana if she sees any ghosts. When Teferi and Niambi begin their calculations with the puzzle, Inky, Blinky, Pinky, and Sue appear in a mathematical pattern that Liliana counts off, helping them with the puzzle. 
Teferi finally reaches the final Pac-Man level as Gideon and the crew of the Weatherlight fend off spirits and automatons, opening a secret compartment. Inside, Teferi retrieves a delicate crystal orb emanating power. Take that, Urza. Teferi thinks. Your machinations are no match for the power of friendship. In classic action movie fashion, the monument and the plateau it rests on begin collapsing around the intrepid adventurers, and sand pours through emerging cracks in the walls. The crew finally bursts out of the sinking monument, and Tiana and Arvad help them get onto the weatherlight. I will protect you from all around you. I will be here, don't you cry. Cause you'll be in my heart. Yes, you'll be in my heart. You'll be in my heart. Sailing away, Raph asks Teferi, So, are you coming with us to save the world again? Teferi responds, You bet your illusory beard I am. After dropping off Niambi at her house, the crew of the Weatherlight say goodbye to her and speed off to go demon hunting and sword securing. In the solace of her cabin, Jorah takes out her necklace and reveals a power stone containing Teferi's spark. Well, how am I going to get him to take it back? Yeah, well, we are six episodes in of a 12-episode saga. And so no slime foot! We've got a little slime foot. No, well, I, barely. There's literally a spot. My feet are Liter- basically parched at this point. Yeah. yeah. We, we really need, uh, we need some more slime. I foot. need some slime for my feet. Well, but the thing is, it's hard to anticipate which characters say that. But it seems like they should have anticipated that this is the character we really want. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, there's been a lot of really great characters so far. We've seen Tiana and Arvad, and we love that little budding friendship between them. But where is Slimefoot and his crowd of phallids? They're still or growing. Sapplings? They're still growing. The the process, the incubation process takes, you know. And they're muttering to themselves, soon, soon we'll be eaten. Soon. Yeah. yeah. Soon. We can't soon. wait. We can hardly wait. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can feel myself growing sweeter and crunchier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to roll around. Dressing, it's gonna be so great. Yeah. <laughs> 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 just, just so many sapperlings just jumping around from like ranch to Italian they to just Thousand like Island. Pieces of popcorn at this point. Wee, 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 wee. <laughs> One day Tiana's gonna come back onto the weather light, just belting some big old tune, and all of the salads are just gonna jump right into her mouth. Oh God. <laughs> or, or they will join her in like little muffled weepy. That's weepy true. Songs it's gonna be. It is gonna be like it. Any good Disney princess song. They're just going to chime in. And oh, start oh, yeah. I just her. can't wait to be food. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, it's just, or it's like a dream is a wish your heart makes. And all the phthalids and sapperlings are like, oh, we're going to fetch your overalls for you, Tiana. Help you put on your, your, your blouse. And then you're going to grab your wrenches. It's going to be great. Here's yeah. breakfast. <laughs> Raise yourself. Ah. <laughs> You know, angels don't really need to eat, but we love being eaten. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we're just saying we're missing out on some real action here. As much as we love Teferi, we're still waiting for the big guy to come along. Uh, So let's see. I I was interested about the relationship between Joyra and Teferi, and it seemed like the daughter was trying to enable it when she says, quote, I know you want to be, have adventures with Joyra. 
wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I'm not sure what's going on there, and it would be interesting to find out. I think I think Niambi is like, oh my gosh, I've been doing this whole like stupid Pac-Man monument thing for decades, <laughs> and I just want him to leave. Need to get the old man out of the house. Yeah, like yeah, I am a healer. I should go do the thing that I was trained to do and heal people. But also, she loves her dad, and she knows her dad is. Uh, he used to be an adventurer. He used to be mischievous, like prankster who made whoopee cushions except overly complicated and so it's great that she's really you know being compassionate and letting him go and do the things that he knows how to do best also i mean she, i'm sure she's probably aware of the cabal doing its cabali things in the area <laughs> so many cabali things so mm-hmm. many cabali things mm-hmm. um but yeah no i think it was just like an act of love and compassion and you know i i guess if i had a doubt like to fairy who would drag me off at every Every at a drop of a hat to go figure out a puzzle, I might want a little rest as well. I really like how Liliana was very polite and generous to Raph when she said, Get out of the way! Yeah, mm. Lily's been like in a rough situation this whole time. I really feel for her because it seems like she's trying her best to keep her emotions and herself in check, but she not very long ago had to dispatch her only last unliving relative. Yeah, that's true. Like, that is rough. <laughs> that you know? would be rough. That's rough. My my Liliana Dar, if you'd call it that, is just like always on hungry for the entire the entire story of Dominaria up until this point. Just hungry. And she seems rather intent to bring up in every episode that somebody is giving away her secret. Yep. Stop talking. Why are you talking? I mean, it's very mono black, and especially for Liliana, who doesn't like to. I mean, Gideon's uh, the kind of person who just likes to reveal all the cards on the table because yeah. if you're working in a team, that's the best way to facilitate yeah, let's be communication. About this. You know, yeah. but as a black mage, Lily is just like, I don't understand why we're making ourselves vulnerable here. Like, but girl, your secret's out. Like everybody on Dominaria knows what the secret is, and the secret is that you're going to go and kill Belzenlock. It's like, come on now. Well, I mean, she... You don't have to keep reminding us of what your secret guess, is. You know what? I guess if I had made a pact of demons, I might be a little self-conscious about that. But I, I would... You know what, Liliana, girl? You need to just be more self-confident. Don't worry about that. People make mistakes, make demonic contracts, make themselves supremely powerful or at least beautiful. So you just need to flow with it. I, Own up to it. <laughs> but I think that her situation with Josie, especially dispatching him like that, and him naming her the curse of House Vess. I mean, that's that's brutal for one. I think it's really rattled her because I haven't seen her this sort of shaken up in a while. I mean, it's not too long ago when she was on Kaladesh. She was like super cool and composed and sticking her, her stilettos and Tesseret's face, literally. Um, and then, you know, like after that, she was just really in control of herself. So suddenly seeing her like be conflicted all the time um like visually that's just really new yeah it is good to see this vulnerability i wasn't sure actually she would react this way um if she really didn't care but it it does seem like like a lot of her personality must be just truly been bent around her brother and like his death was really hard for her to take and then seeing him having to kill him again in fact is really hard next order of magnitude difficult for her yeah no definitely she was was pretty uh she was pretty okay with a lot of stuff she's she's done but it does seem like she maintained a little bit of her humanity as regards to her brother and still feels felt very strongly about that. So she hasn't really had a chance to grieve since she's yeah. been on Dominaria. I don't think so. I mean, she's basically 
I, I, she's definitely the kind of person who would see grieving as wasting time, um, as not being very efficient. And also I think she just doesn't really want to show a sign of weakness. And part of the process of grieving is being emotionally vulnerable and reaching out and trying to find support. Um, she's not the kind of person who wants to do that. The only person she could do that with is Gideon. And, you know, like Gideon is not super happy about having he to support probably her. probably would pat her on the back. Uh, oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't know if she, she can like, risk that. Yeah, like they're not, they're, they're kind of like, a, it's a kind of like an awkward buddy cop situation where you've got two people who are forced to work together um, for the greater good, but I don't think Lily's going to open up to Gideon like that. Ultimately, I don't think Lillian has had enough practice grieving, and I think the best way for her to grieve will be to Stick her stiletto through bells and locks. Yeah, right. catharsis. That's really good catharsis. When you know, maybe I should try that next time. I feel really sad. I just just go hunt down the demons I've made packs with. And I think just... you'll find it really satisfying. Oh yeah, no, I should just go find my cadre of like uh, in undead crocodiles yeah. to go just sweat out your grief. Oh yeah, that's that's the best way. Yep, yep. Well, at least make other people sweat out my grief and bleed out my that's grief. That's the best way. So are we are we going to be continuously reminded of Liliana's secret throughout the episodes until the stiletto meets Bells and Locks eyeball? I think so. Probably. Probably. And I mean, we we kind of know at this point Gideon Gideon and this sword are pretty much fated to meet. It's kind of like um it's like eyes across a crowded room except only one of them has eyes um cuz one of them's a sword, but they're totally destined to work with one another um, based on the flavor text we've seen so far. But uh, do you think Gideon's going to use the sword on Bells and Lock? I think Liliana? he's, um, I think that Gideon is probably going to need a new weapon after he lost his giant pom-pom. So that makes sense to me. Does make sense. Yeah. Well, his razor, razor pom-pom rather. So swifting, shifting gears back uh, a little bit. I liked it when DeFerry said, quote, stop mocking your father's existential pain to Niambi. Um, yeah, no, I really like the relationship that these two have with one another. It's really rare that we get to see um, a parental relationship between um, planeswalkers and their kids. I mean, I think this is like maybe the second time we've seen this, the first time being Angrath. And his daughters? Well, yeah, he is dead now, but the... Uh, but no, Well, his daughters killed him, of course. I thought they were oh, without oh, right. saying. Yeah, but, no, they totally killed him. They but, were like, oh my God. But you're right. We are seeing uh, father-daughter interact uh, as Planeswalker. That's great. And I, I'm yeah. glad to see this Teferi, uh, this humanity in Teferi, whereas he was originally one of the original Planeswalkers and they weren't too human. So good yeah. to see this. No, it's great that he has chosen to integrate his life with you know, with real people who are around him that he's chosen to throw in his lot. And so, I mean, can you imagine after millennia or I don't know how old Teferi is. Do we know how old Teferi is? Well, probably I should, but he's, he was, he's as old as the Tolarian Academy was. So yeah, that's pretty old. He's pretty darn old. And in all that time, you know, he's lost his spark and he's been without his spark and had to adjust for hundreds of years. And now he has there's an opportunity for him to get his spark back. And that's going to be really hard because, I mean, he's been trying for so much of his life to undo the mistakes that he's done. That is clear. He says you just try to make, balance them out. Yeah. So yeah, it's been 60 years since he's lost his spark. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting that Teferi was able to sort of uh, relate to both Gideon and Liliana 
in that sense of just you know you are a person with a lot of power and when you're a person with a lot of power the mistakes you make are going to be that much bigger and that much more difficult to deal with so um i'm i'm looking forward to seeing an old walker like teferi get into the game and now post mending figure out where he stands also, I, I'm totally down to see, like, uh, Teferi, like... So I, I'm just kind of imagining now the Weatherlight's going to break into the, stor- the Stormhold, and then, like, it's going to be a Matrix sort of situation where, you know, he freezes time, and then there's, like, yeah. an era whiffling past, and they're doing all sorts of Neo-Matrix stuff, and it's going to be crazy awesome. I get yeah. it now. Come on, I Wachowski sisters. <laughs> get in on this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know Kung Fu. He's going to bring a bunch of dandelions and then blow dandelions oh, yes. and then cabal people's faces. faces. Yep. But like slowly, so like Matrix style. Yeah, you'll just see one seed just flying past. Yep, with the trail. Ultra slow-mo. Yep. Yeah. Ultra slow-mo. Everyone is wearing sunglasses. <laughs> yes. Raph, <laughs> Tiana. Oh, man. So what sort of sunglasses would Tiana wear? Tiana would totally wear Ray-Bans, I think, wouldn't she? Or maybe she might wear something a little bit... No, I think she'd wear Ray-Bans, because, like, I don't know. They're, they're super practical. Arved clearly has his cowboy hat. Mm-hmm. He has his cowboy hat. Mm-hmm. Also, I think he'd have, like, pince-nez, you know, like, sunglasses, like the way Lawrence no. Fishburne had. No? Oh, okay. You don't wear sunglasses with a cowboy hat. No. Oh. This vampire has a little thing called dignity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fair. Yeah. yeah, he's got a little dandelion in his mouth. Well, he's got a, yeah, it's Team Dandelion. <laughs> Just you know, take his focus off. in yeah. with sunglasses at the ready. <laughs> no, I, I do like this action he's movie. Like, okay, I'm giving all you. It's plus two, plus two. Let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> Any ores you drop, I'm bringing them back. <laughs> We're making this happen. And Sissy is like, "Well, now I'm a ten ten because we've got so many people here." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of slime foot. Just like rustling around in the back. Not Sissé though. Uh, Sissé's like see. What is what is her name? Shauna. Shauna. Yeah. Sissé. Yeah. yeah. No, she's like a ten ten now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, every time uh, you eat one of Slimefoot's salads, doesn't he drain? <laughs> doesn't he drain somebody? Yeah, he totally drains somebody. So so uh, so, so it's great because when they stop to refuel and to snack on some sapperlings, like they're also inflicting damage on the on the on the enemy. So as far as I'm concerned, this is the dream team. I don't want to say it, but clearly what that mechanism is, is to eat the thalad and then it's explosive thalad flatulence. <laughs> Whenever you play slime fit from now you've, on. You've heard it here first. That's that's official. Sapperlings. <laughs> they keep you regular, but yeah, they, they keep do. you but they bring in a little gas. Yeah. yeah. A no, little, it's, it's healthy. Gassy. Not 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 for your enemies, but for you, sure. For, yeah. <laughs> just keep walking. Just just keep walking. Just walk away. You know, if the Cabal stronghold was painted after the the raid on it then you'd imagine that fog around the the stronghold (laughs) just being a bunch of sapperling remnants you know what i think you're cutting this way too far maybe maybe. what i said was cultured and you're just taking it way too far i just i I just pictured i was just like yeah what i'm imagining is like remember how the the ents took down saruman's like whole situation with like the uruk high and whatnot like that's mm-hmm. what i'm imagining with like everybody and particularly slimefoot 
just all of these saplings coming in. I would like to imagine just instead of, you know, the cameras are trained up high, but instead then they swivel down super low and made sound. You see these little bouncing, smiling, not really yeah. about mushrooms kind of boing. And they all just jumping have into the cabal's mouths. But frozen, of course, so he chokes. So, it's very tragic for the saplings because they don't get their wish. Hooray! Hooray! No! no. <laughs> Why isn't it working? <laughs> they get a little over you're too many going in his mouth at once. Yeah. And and this is how Liliana takes down the yes, That is This is the official Lorgoist prediction. Sorry for spoiling next week. We are we are predicting that Belzmuck gets taken down after eating far too many saprolings. The uh unfortunately no no giant demon, no matter how many cards he might tutor for you, is able to withstand that much flatulence and right. gas buildup. Off on that high note, <laughs> let's go to the ad. <laughs> yeah, we have a new we have a new sponsor. Um, oh, it's another comestible. Very new sponsor. Very yeah. new sponsor. I hear it's pre- it's pretty powerful. Is yeah, it's uh, at least a nine out of ten. Yeah, yeah, at least nine out of ten. But on the back end, I've heard it's maybe like a three. Yeah, yeah, it definitely doesn't pass the bolt test for for modern playability. Um, oh, that, that was what was holding it back too. Yeah, yeah, it's so close. <laughs> Well, with that, we will um, allow our sponsor to now take the airwaves, and we'll see you in a little bit. Bye. Bye. In a small room during a game of magic, planes, go. Woodland Cemetery, go. Swamp, I will cast myself. Oh, Yargle. (laughs) It wasn't always this way. Many years ago, I became a slave to gluttony, imprisoned in the body of a maggot, then a frog. I was ravenous. I consumed many men, women, and children in blind, insatiable hunger. Doug, no! Please don't eat Michelle! Gary, no! That was until I invented Yargolfast. Yargolfast is a dietary substitute for entities weaning themselves off the flesh of human creatures and non-human creatures. All creatures, basically. Each serving contains all the nutrition a ghoul like me needs, and just the slightest bit of humanely harvested human, just to take the edge off. One in the morning, a light snack in the afternoon, and one in the evening is all you need to stave off the blind hunger or revenge binging and maintain a well-balanced diet. Plus, I don't have to worry about devouring my friends. Again! <laughs> fast is specifically formulated for many species and has been used successfully to rehabilitate cannibals and relieve vampires. Just ask my vampire friend, Arvad! fast has done the trick to relieve my withdrawal. Then again, it might be the power stone in the weatherlight or Tiana's beautiful singing. Yargle is a spirit frog from our imagination, and when he's tall, he's what we call a power nine sensation. Hey, Yargle, I'm attacking you for 15, seven commander damage. You're attacking me? <gasps> Just kidding. Oh. <sighs> Next time you're craving a human, grab a Yargle fast and put the human down. And we're back. Wow. Um, Yargle, eh? I <laughs> uh, didn't realize that he was in the whole business of Yargle fasting. Yeah, well, he used to be a 9'6", but he really slimmed down. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. I understand what that's like. No, because it's slim. It's like slim fast, but it staves off the human flesh cravings, and it makes you super thin. Yeah. Well, the th- problem that I see now that he's a nine three is that he's so top heavy that he must skitter around really, really quickly in order to make sure that that momentum carries his weight forward. But I also wonder, like, how does he not fall over all the time? I mean, he's, he's like a he's bobblehead. A- Frog spirit? Yeah, oh, he's yeah. like a bobblehead frog spirit. Or he is a little unstable, which is what the three toughest indicates. I know, and that's just what's sort of really troubling to me. So I don't know about this Yargle Fest. I don't know. Maybe next time we should like review our sponsors before we just blindly say yes to them. I say yes to Yargle. Well, for all of our listeners who are having some trouble with quitting human, then they have a solution now. That's that's true. Put the put put the human down. Just put the human down. So uh, Put the we, human down. Should we now. go straight into our favorite flavor picks, of which I'm surely Yargle is at the top of everyone's list? Um, Absolutely. Yeah, no, definitely. So we're going to talk about our favorite flavor wins of the set, um, just because I know that flavor fails are not a really a thing that A's can really do, which is cool. And, you know, hey, we try to be positive on the show anyway, so... And also, Dominaria has been such a great set. I can't really think of a flavor fail off the top of my head. Um, although I'm sure if I really think about it, perhaps one can come to my mind. So about Yargle. Uh, so what I, what's interesting about him is you do see, in the flavor text, it mentioned specifically that he was slighted by Belzenlock, who uh, turned him into a, a, what is it, a maggot. And he's maintained that fury at Belzenlock and is now eating all his cabal people. And he's also, technically speaking, one of the spooks or the kind of Halloween-y spirits of Urborg. They're kind of like the more whimsical uh undead creatures there yeah i don't know if a nine i guess it's kind of i guess it's an exceptional spook so but is he whimsical (laughs) i I would say i mean in terms of uh huge scary monsters he is pretty whimsical he's got this big yeah the big upper body and a little itty bitty feet (laughs) hello he looks looks like the tasmanian devil (laughs) like it's just kind of ridiculous you guys remember slimer from ghostbusters yes Yes, yes, he does. That's look what like he reminds Slimer. me of Slimer. Like Slimer on a little bit of steroids. Yeah. Was this delicious appetite for his former friends. Well, now who I know who I'm gonna call. Ghostbusters. Well, the weatherlight, but that's cool too. With the weatherlight crew people. And it gets who are we gonna call? Lightning bolt. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Lightning bolt here to take care yeah. of all of your frog spirit needs. Don't cross the beams. Bolts now, uh, but he does have power nine, which is great. The the last <laughs> the last thing to mention, the spooks, Halloweeny, Urborg people not okay with the cabal, which is what we see on some of these other cards, and that's what we see Yargle eating the cabal people. So, not all the black aligned characters are happy with each other. I mean, that makes sense. Black is a color where you want to look out for yourself, and or use other people around you so that you can push yourself up. So. Yeah, makes absolute sense. So what are some of your flavor wins, Dustin? I, my favorite cards are the black cards in the set, starting with Dark Bargain, which is three and a black for an instant. Look at the top three cards of your library. Put two of them in your hand and the other two in your graveyard, or the other into your graveyard, and Dark Bargain deals two damage to you. I just love how this card makes such a a whimsical, comedic scene out of a dreary, uh, swamp, bog-like place. There's looks to be like a knight with a long red cape, 
talking with this short, uh, uh, round uh, merchant with long, slimy gray arms, and he's so holding this, up a wear. To set the stage, <laughs> that's a cabal paladin, so one of the remnants talking to one of the little spook herbal creatures. Okay. Yeah, no, it's, I, I love that he's basically just about to rip him off. <laughs> right, and the spook is saying, I have pestules of the great rat-a-tat. <laughs> Very cheap, no? Surely you'll want a tincture of Nevenerol's pulverized remains. Genuine. Sounds trustworthy to me. <laughs> I, I, I love this flavor text, and I think I know why. <laughs> okay, I did. I did write that one. Mm-hmm. So well I'll, done, Aiden. Well done. Oh my uh, god, the flavor text you've written for this one has been amazing. Thank you. I uh, entered a uh, a fugue where I, I just went to a I went to Dominaria Cave and then just got it all at once. I don't know if I'm going to send to this level again, but uh, it's exciting to contribute to this set, and I'm really happy with the reactions I've seen for the most part, and. Uh, uh, Happy that lots of people are seeing my writing and having that is bringing happiness to them. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I just, I, I agree. I think Dark Bargain is awesome. It sounds so ominous, but you look at it and you see this, I can just imagine this pot-bellied, long-limbed guy just kind of like waddling towards the uh, the cabal paladin and just being like, look what I've got. I've got gadget, gadgets and gizmos are plenty. I've got who's it's and what's it's galore. You want to think of a bombs? I've got 20. But who cares? It's no big deal. I've got more. <laughs> what he does have is those pustules are a reference to the, uh, let's see, I forget the particulars, but he this mage is quoted on smallpox ah. and he, he was a thing. So uh, people who enjoy smallpox and people to death I hope that, that reference is for them. So I did query a lot of people and ask what, this is a strange example of where people knew we were writing Dominaria while we were actually writing it. So I actually asked people what they wanted to see on this plane. And those and, mm, and pustules was like Not that one specifically. <laughs> no, it's possible that one was for me. I, I admit that. But uh, certainly Nevermorill was certainly uh, one people wanted to see. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed seeing um, these these names and these phrases, you know, because we know some of these names from, I know Nevernerl from Commander because I'm like, oh no, it's on the field. We need to do something about that. Yep. Or, oh, thank God it's on the field. (laughs) We need to do something about that. Yep. Um, But yeah, seeing, seeing it kind of, munching sort of mundanely in this exchange, this commerce, uh, like commerce exchange, it's pretty fun. So. Maybe we can get the art uh, modified by. Titus. Yeah, so he has like a trade binder. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he has a tra- a- Do you need Hazorets? Are you playing standard? <laughs> oh, okay. I guess if not, if you really want, I've got a couple of scarab gods in the back. One of them is an invocation. <laughs> How much is this going to cost me? <laughs> oh, nothing much. Just your voice. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh- <laughs> so I, I have a couple. I selected some cards that I did not write for, but nonetheless took my breath away. Primeval's Glorious Rebirth. Here we're seeing, we're seeing five Primeval's, um, oh, yeah. such as Croesus, you might remember. Oh, yeah. Um, and the flavor text reads, Centuries ago, five, five dragons conquered death to rule the living. So I love the, uh, the paradox of that, the uh, resonance of it, the way the line was constructed there. So I really appreciate that line. And, of course, the art by uh, Noah Bradley is very striking. So this... this Art took my this card took my breath away. I might potentially play it in my um, 
or dragon deck. So this one really excited me. Nice. Um, so I guess one of my favorite flavor wins is, of course, um, I, gosh, I really love the Flame of Keld. Um, just because it seems to embody... Well, first of all, I love all the sagas. I think the sagas are just mechanically speaking a really wonderful representation of the history of dominaria and the stories that have been told i'm really looking forward to if we ever go back to um like like kamigawa or some of the other older places um maybe seeing the history of those places also set forth in a very similar fashion um but the flame of Keld is really great because um it, it's got a lot of what red has been up to but i love the the fact that um it's got that final chapter where it's sort of kind of like an explosive situation where if a red source of control would deal damage to a permanent it deals that much damage plus two and it's not quite as explosive as say you know like gisella where everything deals double damage all the time but i really enjoy like seeing um like that sort of history of these places being represented like that um in the same way, like the the card that we actually got to preview, like Song of Freilis, that was also really really cool. Um, <clears throat> these weren't so much; it wasn't so much like a visual representation, like uh, the tapestries and carvings and whatnot we saw for the other sagas. But I really enjoyed the fact that it kind of celebrated a lot of the, um, a lot of the like pop, uh, the, a lot of the powers that she had as an elf, just a lot of the like ramping and growing aspects of what she was doing as a planeswalker. And then, you know, doing the whole the world spell, the world spell, yeah. the end of the ice age, the ice age, the end of the ice age. And then the fact that she was able to inspire so many people. Cool. But, um, what I do appreciate is the return of the Allosaur. Um, uh, one of the first cards that got me into magic was, um, Allosaur writer because I was thinking, oh my gosh, it's an elf riding a dinosaur. How is how is that happening? This is it, the most amazing thing that ever. That is pretty perfect. <laughs> so territorial Allosaur. I I'm glad that we're seeing a little bit, a little bit of a farewell to our dino friends after, after getting out of Ixalan. So it's great to, to have that one more time. Yeah. Um. I was uh, people were also kind of expecting Colossal Dreadmaw to return, but you know. I'm happy to accept territorial Allosaur. There's a rich tradition of Allosaurus on Dominaria, so glad mm-hmm. to see that continue. Yeah. You know, some people are afraid of clowns, and other people are afraid of bugs. Last night, I had a nightmare where the the tree on the mending of Dominaria was in my bedroom. Oh, uh, that's awkward. Did and it, all the faces were just, like, looking at me. Were they so, what, what did they say to you? They were like, Justin, come play magic with us. Oh, oh God. And I'm like, I don't want to. You're a tree and you're really creeping me out. <laughs> These are two very, very good things to know. Um, so on the Mending of Dominaria, we see Freilis, Lord Windgrace, and Karn, whom are the people that people of Femrith liked and participated in the Mending. Yeah. Um. The other thing I thought was great was Gaia's Blessing. I love the art for this particular piece because it references the Rebecca Gay piece that we see, that we saw like a long time ago. And it's just absolutely gorgeous. So seeing that sword at the night plunge into the earth now, standing as a tribute to him with the ivy kind of growing over it, it's absolutely gorgeous. How about the, the scary Thalids? Oh my God, those Thalids are so cute. So there's the Thalid Soothsayer. It's a three and a black for a two, three fungus. 
It's got two sacrifice a creature to draw a card. And it's look it looks at this like really scary looking thalad. The flavor text on it is some of the thalads that had escaped into the fens of Urborg began emulating the Cabal's blood-soaked rituals in their own peculiar way. So that's scary thalad number one. Scary thalad number one. But I would like to point out that that thalad looks a lot like the first really epic card I've ever played with, which was Phytotitan. Um, another mushroom man, as I, as I like to call him. Mm-hmm. My mushroom man. Mm-hmm. Just keeps coming back. How about the Thalid Omnivore? Oh. That nom. is the... Nom noms. That is the 3-3. Three, three. It's three and a black for a fungus. Uh, you pay one, sacrifice another creature. Thalid Omnivore gets plus two, plus two until the end of turn. If a sapperling sacrifice this way, whee! <laughs> <laughs> you gain two life. Just imagine, like, what a Thalid Omnivore would be for a second. A Thalid that... Eats both meat and plants. It has and a balanced diet. It, it does have a balanced diet, and you can see it in its natural eating habitat, uh, which is actually, if you look at it for a little while, it kind of makes you sick to your stomach. <laughs> and the flavor text on it is Thalen of Havenwood created thalids as a food source in times of darkness. Thalids did the same with saprolings. Whoa, it's so dark. It's the circle of life. No, 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 no. Hooray! Yeah. Hooray! I'm glad you brought the merriment to that. Uh, <laughs> it's not cannibalism because they're not the same species. That's right. I, so another another couple of uh, fun cards that I really enjoy are one, dub. Um, first of all, I'm a little bit sad that in Amonkhet and um, Our Devastation, we didn't really get a two-parter like dub two-step. <laughs> it's true. Oh my god. But it's okay. It's okay. Oh. But, but I am so looking forward to knighting like Sir Squee. Sir Squee, Sir Squee the Immortal. Sir Sapperling. <laughs> Sir, Sapperling. <laughs> Sir Slimefoot, the stowaway. <laughs> you will now go forth and be a knight. <laughs> Have Hooray! fun with that. Hooray. Well, it's Slimefoot, so you just be like, I W. Sir Yargle. Sir Yargle, not just not just Yargle, Yargle Flargle. Wow, they're just giving away those titles just left and right, <laughs> aren't they? Well, well it is a yeah. common. It is a common, so, you know, I, I guess we're just doing that now. But the other thing I really love is uh, Gideon's Reproach. It's good to see that no matter where he is, uh, Gideon will always be punching, just punching away, because that's how Gideon rolls. So I will point out Zahid, Dejin of the Lamp. Um, this he, flavor text says, I do as I please, little mortal. Do go on about your wishes, though. They amuse me to no end. So this is a reference to Ma Modi Dejin, which is probably one of my first favorite cards. Uh, it was a 5-6 fire for 6 mana. And I will point out that this, uh, this card and many others in the set have a lot of uh, kind of like give the people what they want. Like they're addressing really resonant fantasy tropes, which are just exciting and a delight to play with. And that's kind of um, iconic of the original Alpha and uh, Richard Garfield's work to begin with. So I'm really, I'm not sure he did this design. He did, um, uh, he thought he helped though with those. He did Lich's Mastery, which I thought was in the same vein, just kind of give the people what they want. This is a very iconic, high concept flavorful idea of turning into a lich um, and then making it powerful and kind of exciting and dangerous at the same time. And also, uh, let's see, 
Dauntless Bodyguard is one that I know Richard Garfield also did. Just this idea of having one creature protecting another. Um, there were quite a few bodyguards to begin magic with, and they were mostly all bad. But <laughs> this is a bodyguard which actually works and is pretty balanced, and I'm excited to play with that one as well. And mechanically, I love it when the flavor of the cards come out in in how they play. Uh, with this card especially, you get you know, Savannah Lion build for one white mana, and then the, and, and you don't have to really go into great detail about how the bodyguard sacrifices itself to protect the creature that it's guarding. Oh, yeah. But it's, it, I just love how the mechanics really are brought to life with the flavor of the card. Um, Joseph Vess, which Knight, was also a really great flavor win for me because you can just pay four and then he comes in by himself but if you kick him he comes in <laughs> with like him. if you kick him <laughs> you kick get that over horn. there Jozo kick that get over there nest. just kicking that lich all over you the place you kicked his grave Michelle <laughs> and then and then eight more zombies popped out so um I, I really love the idea that you know Jozu with a little bit more effort and time like the time and effort that Bells and Luck put into him um he's kind of grown into middle management you know he's yeah. he's brought this camaraderie he's brought like some this cadre of you know underlings to come with him which is pretty cool and is totally going in my zombie deck yeah apocalypse of his own yeah he, he does come with a zombie army that's great to see well i mean he is supposed to be the head of the local army yes so that that actually makes sense um but yeah i i mean if you so during pre-release or whenever you're doing Dominaria draft or whenever, if you if you end up dubbing some really cool <laughs> or unexpected creatures, tweet at us at Lorgwives and let us know. We'll be happy to retweet and like share your awesome story of you creating, I don't know, like seriously dub Yargle. Yeah, dub Yargle. <laughs> or you could you could also I now dub the Sir Yargle the knight. Um you could dub that bird. Uh, which bird is the, the artificer's um, assistant? The, yeah, you can dub him Burb Artificer, Sir Burb Artificer's assistant. On the subject of dub, I love that artwork. It's just so epic, and you get to see her. These knights have some badass haircuts, and I guess it's because they have uh, <laughs> they have helmets. I guess so they they don't want to have hair on the sides. But I'm pretty sure it's just to be an utter badass. Oh yeah, Sir Cold Water Snapper. So I did want to mention Tetsuko Umazawa, fugitive. So this is a one of the descendants of Umazawa's. So she's carrying the the jite, and uh, again, because this is just so convoluted, it started with started uh, in Kamigawa. Umazawa was banished to Dominaria. His descendant killed Bolas. Bolas came back, and now Bolas swore vengeance against the Umazawa family. But Tatsuko is sneaky enough to have escaped them. Uh, she says. My ancestor Toshiro used to say, "That's it. Toshiro is the one who killed." Uh, yeah, Toshiro was the one that um, that came to Dominaria, and then um, Tetsuo was the one that Tetsuo Tetsuo is the one yes. that killed That's Bolas. Very similar to Tetsuko. Mm-hmm. Okay, my ancestor Toshiro used to say, "Life is a series of choices between bad and worse." I'm a master of making great bad choices, and mm-hmm. that was written by my friend, fellow cosplayer MJ Scott. Yep, and she got to pre uh, premiere it right yeah, at GP she was Seattle. She was it. That's great. It was super cool. Um, I think that the in terms of art, um, I gotta say, Arcane Flight. Yep. is is the best thing ever. Um, I am hashtag Team Flying Cat. Um, in the 
most adorable card sweepstakes of Dominaria, of which there are many contenders this year. Um, there's Yargle, there's the bird, there's Squee. Mm-hmm. Um, now, recently, Arcane Flight has been made into a meme online. Uh, the the most recent version I saw is my uh, me as the old man who's reaching for the cat out the window. <laughs> the cat is my money, and it's as it's flying out the window. And that cute little bird is magic cards. Yeah, which is. The story of <laughs> me this weekend at Dominaria pre-release. Oh, gosh. Yeah. No, pre-release is going to be so much fun. We're yeah. going to have so many great stories for you when we come back next it's week. It's going to make it rain. Just going to make it rain <laughs> at my local game store. Just yep. take my money. Just just take my money. All of it. All the money. I don't need this. Nope. We don't need it at all. Why would you have money when you could have flying cats? That's right. I mean, if we had flying cats, we could totally make money off of that. And and in return, we could then get more flying cats, and, and then, then we make, would just make more money, and then and then the cycle, it just never ends. It, it doesn't ever and then, end. Yeah, it does never end. Why should it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, enjoy wizard products. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, we also have, I think, one of the prettiest, most amazing things in the world, and I dare we say we called it. It's unicorn time. And we have Mesa Unicorn with like the prettiest freaking art in the whole set, if I may say so myself. It's just like, I look at this beautiful unicorn and it's got lifelink and it's a 2 2 or 2 with lifelink, which is just strictly better. And it's got this beautiful mane that's like, there's a gust of wind and it's just like streaming up into the air. And I imagine myself at like three or four years old looking at this card and thinking, I want to play that game, Mommy. I just want to play all the Mesa Unicorns. I'm just going to have a unicorn deck, and it's going to be great. You're not wrong. Yeah. (laughs) In fact, uh, uh, there's a reason meme. The four magic cards just define you. I just put four unicorns. Trust me. Yeah, four unicorns. Totally. That's that's AE all over. Darkest host of this show. Four unicorns. uh, (laughs) Michelle, you can dub the unicorn and make it into a unicorn. I can make her Dame Mesa unicorn of the Dauntless. (laughs) Yes! And then you can give it Sarah's wings. No, no, and I can give her arcane flight so she can be like a unicorn. Achieving, cat. achieving her dreams. Ah. Unicorn Voltron. Yes. It's based on the card Mesa Pegasus, so it would be appropriate to give it wings. It would be appropriate. Then it can be an alicorn. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'm deep in, in the uh, horses with accoutrement um, like taxonomy. Did you say alicorn or alicorn? Because you're going to put all of the enchantments on it. Oh, alicorn. That's putting right. all the corn on the alicorn by so corn, which I mean the, enchantments. That's been our episode <laughs> <laughs> of the Lorgois. Clearly, we didn't. We only got to dip our toes into the flavor wings of the set, but this is what we have time for. But yeah, no, we have um, Dominaria is an amazing set. Um, we hope that you have a really great time at your pre-release. I guess by the time you hear this episode, you will have already had a great time at your pre-release. So um, then again, like, let us know if you had a lot of really fun weird flavor interactions. Um, just like I said, tweet us at Lord Goifs and we'd be more than happy to retweet you and 
figure all that stuff. And of course, follow us. Yeah, let us know if you opened a Karn and if if he wasn't <laughs> that good because <laughs> I've I've got a guy, you know, the dark bargain card would be really happy to make <laughs> yeah, a deal yeah. for it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Totally. Um, oh, I've got this this Dovin bond. <laughs> it's been in my it's been in my binder forever. It's, it's four about mana. To spike, trust me. Four mana. It draws you a card. Draws you a card. Who, who doesn't want a super delayed winter orb effect? <laughs> it's yeah. not as good as a winter orb. <laughs> But it's Static standard cards. playable. <laughs> For the next six months. Yes. <laughs> so with that, um, we're going to go ahead and sign off, and we will see you next time when we talk about episode seven. Return, return of the people. The king? Re- return of the king. Return yes. of the Karn? Yes, it's Return of the King, a hobbit's tale. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anymore. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll see you next week. I'm one of your hosts, Michelle. Where can we find you, Michelle? We can find me on Twitter at Ninox underscore Morepork. I'm Justin. You can find me on Twitter at Justiferous. I'm AE, and you can find me at AE Marling. And I wanted to thank Malik for voicing Teferi, and I wanted to thank Doug for voicing Yargle. I mean, let's be real here. Doug is Yargle. And Malik is also our sound wizard. So thank you, Malik. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sound and time wizard. That's Malik. That's right. Also one of the hottest DJs in San Francisco. That's right. You can Uh find him at the club. Putting them beats. Dropping the beats. On that dub to step. Dub to step. Oh, yeah. All night long. Mm -hmm. You're all nights. Now give me the monies. (laughs) Stop coming up to the booth if you don't have the monies. (laughs) No, I don't care how drunk you are and how much you love this song. Step away from the booth. No No request. Back off. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. If you experience an Aragal for more than 